Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Underachievers Sports Podcast. Today on the slate, we got Tampa Bay Rays talk and Orlando Magic talk. The schedule has been released. But first, before we get into the whole season for the Orlando Magic, we are going to do a brief talk, a little overview about last night's Rays game. The Rays, as you know, are currently on a six-game road trip. They won the first three games of their road trip, all in Seattle. A great sweep of the Mariners. Now they play their fourth game on the six-game road trip, and they would face the San Diego Padres. The Rays came in with a record of 69 and 50, a 38 and 22 away split, just a phenomenal away split. And the San Diego Padres would come in with a 55 and 62 record, a 28 and 31 home split. Your Tampa Bay Rays would take it again going 4 and 0 so far on this road trip to the West Coast. As I predicted earlier, I was hoping, hoping for a series win here. A series win would give us at least five wins out of the six road games. And if they were to sweep San Diego to go 6-0 and on the West Coast, that would be just a great time of the year to do that. But anyway, let's get into the scoring summary of this game. We'll go by innings in the top of the first inning. Azevedo Garcia for your Tampa Bay Rays, but Homer to left field with Travis Darno on base. That would give our Rays a two to nothing lead. However, in the bottom of the first inning, speedster Fernando Tatis Jr. would get on base, and Mr. Eric Hosmer, the former All Star for the Kansas City Royals, would double to deep right field, scoring. Fernando Tatis Jr., the young prospect. Not a prospect anymore. He looks like one of the best players in the MLB. But we won't get into that now. So, going into the bottom of the second inning, Lucchesi for the San Diego Padres would single to center, and that would score the former Boston Red Sox prospect, Manuel Margot, which would make this a 2-2 tied ball game. We go to the top of the third. Matt Duffy, our third baseman, would single to shallow right. That would score Guillermo Heredia, making it a 3-2 raise lead. And now for the longest time in this game, no runs would be put on the board. All the way from the top of the third to the top of the seventh, we went four innings without a run. And then the San Diego Padres bullpen would come in and the floodgates would open. Jesus Aguilar for your Tampa Bay Rays would single to center, scoring once again Guillermo Heredia, making it a 4-2 game. Matt Duffy singles to left field, scoring Mr. Aguilar, Jesus Aguilar, and Azevedo Garcia. Then later in... Excuse me, no, this would be the next inning. That would close the top of the seventh inning. The San Diego Padres would not do anything in the bottom of the seventh, so we would go into the eighth inning 
with a 6-2 lead. And in the top of the 8th inning, we would get plenty of more fireworks in this one. Travis Darnot grounds out to third, but that would score Willie Ademis. Heredia would go to second, and Eric Sogard would go to third. Following up that, Aguilar grounds into a fielder's choice, which would end up scoring Mr. Eric Sogard and pushing Guillermo Heredia to third base, making this an 8-2 ball game. Heredia would score on a wild pitch from the bullpen of the San Diego Padres, Edwards Jr. Aguilar would go to second, and then Drake would reach on his infield single to shortstop, scoring Mr. Jesus Aguilar and sending Matt Duffy to second base. With all that action in the eighth inning, it would be a four-run inning, making this lead jump to a 10-2 Tampa Bay lead. And in the bottom of the ninth inning, Mr. Kinsler for the San Diego Padres would homer to left field. It would be a two-run home run, but... For the San Diego Padres, that would not be enough in this one. It's a final score of 10-4 to for the home team, Tampa Bay Rays. A good night in Central Florida for baseball. Looking at the box score, Guillermo Heredia did as much damage as you could possibly do for going 0-3, scoring three runs on three walks. Some big hitters in this one. Matt Duffy went a perfect 4-for-4 four four with three RBIs. Azevedo Garcia would go 3-for-6 with a two-run home run. Jesus Aguilar would go 2-for-5 with two runs and two ribbies. And Willie Ademis batting at the bottom of the order would go 2-for-4. And for our pitching, we led this game off with Castillo. Pitching one inning, giving up two hits, so repping a 3.43 ERA on the season. I guess you know they just did that to make him pitch to the top guys, Tatis, Hosmer. Then they would bring in Austin Pruitt for four innings and give up five hits, one earned run, and four strikeouts. Chaz Rowe would come in, one inning, one walk, three Ks, no hits. Um... And then we had Drake and Kittridge pitch the final three innings. The only pitcher who didn't do so hot in this one would be Kittridge. He came in to pitch the ninth and gave up the two-run shot to Kinsler. But other than that, this Rays bullpen threw eight innings, only giving up seven hits and one earned run. The pitching staff looked very good. If you look at the game in total, 11 strikeouts and only one rock across all five pitchers for your Tampa Bay Rays. Just just so impressive, honestly. So impressive the way this team continues to play. And at this time of the year, I understand they're playing teams that really don't have anything to play for, but you're still going on the road. You're still going out to the West Coast. You still have to play these teams, whether they have nothing to play for or not. And anybody could make the case that does it make them less dangerous or more dangerous that they have something to play for? Because when you have nothing to lose, there isn't a whole lot of pressure, which means you're not really going to choke because there's nothing to choke from. You're not, you're not in contention, right? So 
I think the argument could be made either way there, that you could be a potentially more dangerous team unless you're purposely tanking your season, which I don't think is the case because Seattle's not that close to the bottom. Uh, they're, they're fourth from the bottom, and they're not, they don't stand a chance of catching the Tigers or the Orioles, probably not the Royals either. And the San Diego Padres are also fourth from the bottom in the National League, and they're not going to catch Miami or Pittsburgh. So those teams are going to end up drafting in the five, five, number five pick to number 10 pick, regardless of how their season ends up, because those teams at the bottom are definitely not going to be winning any more games than them. But real quickly, let's take a look at the American League standings before we jump into some Orlando Magic basketball. The Minnesota Twins are now actually the team that is in front of us in the wild card. The Cleveland Indians have been so hot lately, just beating the Red Sox last night on ESPN, hitting a walk-off home run in the 10th inning. They look good. So that puts them in front of the Twins in the AL Central. The Twins, as I said, are two games above us, and we are two games above the Athletics for that important second wild card spot. I do like our chances moving forward, especially now that the Indians have surpassed the Minnesota Twins, because before it just seemed hopeless trying to catch the Cleveland Indians. But the Twins, on the other hand, that is definitely a a team that we could possibly or potentially catch because they have not been playing as good at the moment. But yeah, last 10 games, the Rays are 8-2, four-game winning streak all on the road. Just can't be any more proud of this baseball team right now. So we're at the 10-minute mark. Let's switch over to the Orlando Magic. I may warn you now that this is going to be a potentially longer podcast than usual. We're going to go over the entire Orlando Magic schedule. I'm going to quickly read over the games, and then we're going to kind of recap what I think about the schedule, how it's looking for our Orlando Magic this season. Okay, we got three preseason games, which we already knew about. They're not super important. I'll read them real quick, but I'm not going to put any analysis into them. We're going to San Antonio, to Detroit, and then to Atlanta on the 5th, 7th, and 9th of October. And then we play three games in a row at home to end the preseason at home against Boston, Philadelphia, and Miami on the 11th, 13th, and 17th of October. But let's get into the real season, the regular season, the one that matters. We're going to start off the season Wednesday October 23rd at home at the Amway Center against the Cleveland Cavaliers at 7 p.m. We then move on to the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. We play Toronto and New York. Toronto in Toronto and New York at home. Those are the only four games we are going to play in October. It'll be a four-game month. Like I said, I'll do my analysis after the fact. Let's move into November. We are going, I'll just list the teams real quick. We're going to be playing the Bucks, Denver Nuggets, Oklahoma City Thunder, Dallas Mavericks, Memphis Grizzlies, Indiana Pacers, 76ers, the Spurs, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Pacers, the 
Pistons, the Cavaliers, and then the Raptors. And that'll wrap up November. This will wrap up the first page of the season. Uh, just a quick brief overview of October and November. October definitely looks like a winnable month. That could be a potential 4-0 month. We got Cleveland and the New York Knicks at home. Both teams who were below us last year in standings. Two definitely winnable games. And then we will go at Atlanta, which is a winnable game. They were not a playoff team last season. Although they will be better with their surplus of draft picks and Trey Young getting one year better. And then the hardest game of October will be at Toronto. But you have to remember that they did lose Kawhi Leonard. So that team will not be the same team that we faced in the first round of the playoffs last year. A potential 4-0 month. They never want to set expectations too high. Two games on the road. Two games uh, at home. So 2-2 two and two would be a good start. Anything above that we definitely take. Hopefully we can do at least go 500. I'll be honest with you, November looks tough. November looks a lot tougher than October. The first three games, the Milwaukee Bucks, Denver Nuggets, and Oklahoma City Thunder, that is a very tough start to the month. And then you go at Dallas, who now has Porzingis and Doncic. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough start to the month, those first four games. Then you got Memphis, Indiana. Those may be two winnable games, but... Philly, San Antonio, two tough games. Washington, winnable. Toronto, Indiana, Detroit, Cleveland. Definitely easy teams, but the hard part about that is you go all on the road to Toronto, Indiana, Detroit, and Cleveland. So while they're easy teams, you're in the midst of a four-game road trip, which is never fun. And then we end the month at Toronto. Excuse me, at home against Toronto. And we'll just have to see how Toronto plays this season without Kawhi Leonard. All those games will kind of be a question mark for our Orlando Magic. Let's do a quick preview of the month of December. December starts off with the Golden State Warriors. That, that's a good start to the month right there. Uh, we will play at Washington, home against Phoenix, and at Cleveland. So that's a good, that's a good easy three-game stretch. Although there are no easy teams in this league. Very talented league, the NBA. We will then play at Milwaukee, at home against the Lakers, at home against the Houston Rockets. Those are three very tough games in a row. Then we play at New Orleans, at Utah, at Denver, at Portland for a four-game road trip. We'll play Chicago and Philadelphia at home before going to Milwaukee and then playing back at home against Atlanta. December also looks like a very tough month. If you mix in that four-game road trip with the Pelicans, Jazz, Nuggets, and Trailblazers, and then throw in the fact that right before you go on that four-game road trip out west, you're playing the Lakers and the Houston Rockets at home. That's a very tough six-game span. And it seems like the Magic have a, a couple really tough spans in the months of November and December. Hopefully it gets a little easier as the season goes on. Let's check out January. January, we will start the season New Year's Day. We'll start the new year on the first day at Washington. Not a bad game. Then Miami, Utah, Brooklyn, and Washington all at home before we go on a very long road trip to Phoenix, Sacramento, both LA teams, Golden State, and then to Charlotte to wrap up a six-game road trip. Then at home against Oklahoma City, 
Boston, and the LA Clippers before traveling to Miami to end January. Uh, let me come out and say this right away. I'm noticing a theme, which I, I don't like. I'm, I'm not a big fan of this schedule for the Orlando Magic. I'm noticing a theme of having these stretches of four, five, six row games in a row. But before or after all of these five, six game road trips, we play a bunch of hard teams at home. Like... For instance, as I was saying, in December, we play at New Orleans, at Utah, at Denver, at Portland, who are all good teams. But before we go on that on that road trip, we're playing the Lakers in Houston at home. And then on this road on this six game road trip in January, we play Oklahoma City, Boston, and the LA Clippers at home right after we're done with the six game road trip out west. Like that's that, that's a tough road trip. I'd rather just have the good teams on the road. And then come home to the easy teams. But the way they got this shaped up, I mean, obviously you play on the road and at home against every team. But, yeah, it's it's weird the way they did this. Yeah, it's really weird. It's almost like it's going to be a streaky season the way they set the schedule up. Uh, we got Phoenix and Sacramento on the road in that January six-game road trip, but then the last four games are hard. It's just, yeah, I'm not not liking this schedule so far for the Orlando Magic. But we will keep our optimism up. Let's move on to February. Let's see if this gets any better. Uh, Miami at home, at Charlotte, at Boston, at New York, home against Milwaukee, home against Atlanta, home against Detroit, and home against Dallas, at Brooklyn, at Atlanta, home against Minnesota, and at San Antonio. Okay, that I can live with. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice schedule. That's a real nice. That's that's by far the easiest month I have seen so far is February. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot of impossible games. At San Antonio at the end will be a real pain. But Minnesota, no. Dallas at in Orlando should be fine. At Boston will obviously be a hard game. But really, those are the only three hard games we have the entire month. Every other game is winnable. And we do have Milwaukee, but at least it's at home. So... Yeah, February is a good month for the Orlando Magic. Get ready for February. <laughs> All right, let's go to March real quick, and then we'll end with April. In March, we got the Portland Trailblazers. Then we go on a four-game road trip to Miami, Minnesota, Houston, and Memphis before we come home and play Chicago and Charlotte. We then play at Detroit, home against Cleveland and Sacramento, at Brooklyn, and then a three-game homestand against Indiana, Brooklyn, and New Orleans. So, yeah, like in the month of February, too. Excuse me, the month of March. I like both of them. I like February a little bit more than I like March. March is a little tougher, but it's still pretty easy. You got some real easy games in there. Home against Chicago, home against Charlotte, home against Cleveland, home against Sacramento, home against uh, Indiana, Brooklyn, and New Orleans should be... You know, those are all winnable games, but they they are good teams. And New Orleans, we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how that ends up working out. But, yeah, definitely an easier schedule towards these latter months. Let's see how the last, let's see how the last month goes. We play home against Charlotte, at Boston, at Philly, at New York, home against Boston, at Indiana, at Chicago, home against Toronto. yeah. So February, March, and April are definitely, definitely the good months. Um, so 
with that being said, if you are an Orlando Magic fan, you can't get disappointed early on in the year because it seems that's how this schedule has shaped up for us this year. It's as if the harder games do come more towards the beginning and middle of the season while the easy games come towards the end, which can be a good thing. Because, you know, your expectations, the worst thing that can happen is have the easy, easy part at the beginning of the season. And I mean, I I guess you can look at it from the sense that if you have the easy part of the schedule in the beginning of the year, you can build momentum. But you can also look at it from the standpoint that if you have the easy point at the beginning of the season, you're going to win a lot of games and set your expectations too high. And then you're going to have a hard rest of the season, you know, playing all the tough teams at the end. So at least with the way this schedule shaped up, we may not carry a lot of momentum in the beginning parts of the season, but we unfortunately may get off to a rough start, but at least have the security blanket of knowing that the rest of the season will get easier. So as long as we don't totally tank the beginning parts of the year, we could definitely still be in it for a playoff run. The Eastern Conference this year, you got to think Milwaukee's going to be towards the top again. Boston will be towards the top. Brooklyn, Indiana. Who else am I missing here? Uh, Toronto, the former champs. They still have Siakam and Lowry. I'm not sure if Ibaka re-signed with them or if he was still under contract. I'm not sure about that. But you still got five or six really good teams in the Eastern Conference. And a lot of teams will be fighting for that 7th and 8th spot. So, I still think this is a playoff team from last year. I love our coach, Steve Clifford. It's just a matter of weathering the storm with these tough road trips. And these tough games at the beginning of the season. And by by all means, if they get off to a good start this season, we should definitely make the playoffs no problem. We we might be a five six seven seed if we could get off to a really good start, because as I said, the schedule lightens up towards the end, and I'm hoping for a good season out of the Orlando Magic this year. All right, that'll do it for our Orlando Magic talk of the day. Uh, just remember, tomorrow Orlando City will be playing Sporting Kansas City. On Wednesday, the Rays do have their second game against the Padres tonight at 10. I also wanted to make a quick update and say that this podcast will be covering, as we've mentioned before, the Rays, all Tampa and Orlando sport teams. So the Rays, the Lightning, the Bucks, the Magic, and Orlando City Soccer Club. We got every sport covered. And I also wanted to mention that when college football season comes around, we will be covering the South Florida Bulls, which is our Tampa college team, and we will be covering the Central Florida Golden Knights, who is the Orlando college football team. And maybe if they both do good in college basketball, as the winter comes along, we can discuss talking about some college basketball. But I did want to mention that that will be two more teams I will be discussing on this podcast. But for the immediate future, that's a little ways away. College football, I think think the USF and UCF games are like 18, 19 days out. 
So for the immediate future, look for the podcast tomorrow on the second game of the Rays series. And then after that, the next day, we'll be talking about the Rays and Orlando City. And then don't forget about that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game on Friday night, our second preseason game of the season. But that'll do it for today. Thank you all for listening to this longer podcast. And can't wait to talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.